I'm Carrie Varuhaikis, and today I'd like to make a confession. If you're a regular listener to our show, you'll know that I open up most episodes with a little teaser of what listeners can expect. In every episode, I work with our writer, Anthony, on a chapter spotlight, finishing with this. Let's roll it. Let's move on to the chapter spotlight. If you or your chapter would like to be profiled on the show, please email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Hua. Hua. Yeah, I'm not buying the Hua. Can you try it again, Carrie? Hua. If you don't already know, Hua is a battle cry used by the Army, as well as Air and Space Forces. That generally means anything and everything except no. It has a storied tradition, dating all the way back to 1841 by some accounts. Anyway, every episode I say it, and, well... Hua. 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 Take two, okay? Hua! Can we do it a third time, please? Okay. One more. Take three. Hua. Again. Hua. Hua. The team here at Army Matters always has me repeat it numerous times. Uh, Let's try it until it sounds just right. Hua. Hua. So for this episode, the team decided to bring in a coach. Someone unexpected. It was Asha B., who is one of today's guests. Asha is this year's winner of the National Military Youth of the Year Award presented by the Boys and Girls Club of America. Even at the young age of 20, Asha is already an accomplished motivational speaker, host of a brand new podcast herself, and, well, an all-around inspiring young woman. I started off by asking if she ever gets nervous. Absolutely. Before I say a speech, a lot of people think I look like I'm going to throw up. I, at some point, I probably feel like that, but I'm fine. Like everyone just kind of has their process. Everyone kind of has a little ism that they do, um, you know, to kind of get the nerves out. For me, I pace back and forth. My face looks sick. I look like I'm just going to like die right on the spot, but I'm good. It's just me processing, getting ready. I give myself a pep talk. After Asha shared with me a story about the time she froze in front of an entire auditorium of people, I started to realize what my problem was. You deserve to be here. And I'll give you my perspective. I'm feeling a little bit like a poser because I was not in the military myself. Uh, and I'm trying to say this army who was. Mm, yeah, I understand because that's how I felt for a while with yeah. when I first was going into National Military Youth of the Year. I felt like I was like an imposter because my dad was retired when he and my mom got married. So I feel like I didn't have that experience of like a parent being in the military. But like, don't discount yourself. Like, I'm sure that the military and army is proud that you that your hua is representing them. Everyone has a different hua, so it's okay. Yeah, that actually made me feel a lot better. Like I, I am part of this community, right? So you deserve yeah. to be here, and you got it. Like it's no sweat. After some prompting, I tried it again. Please email us at podcast at ausa.org. Hua. Yay. Thank you so much for your for helping me get there. <laughs> Hua. <laughs> I think that's good. In today's episode, we speak more to Asha B, as well as Jim Clark, the president and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of America. We learn about the organization get their thoughts on what problems today's youth are facing, and yes, get more motivational advice from Asha. 
I'm Carrie Viro Heikes, and this is Army Matters. I'm always going to be self conscious about this. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to put that in. We're putting that in. Asha, where are you from while you're hooking that up? Where are you from originally? Yes, so I'm actually originally from, I was born in Virginia Beach. I say I'm from Virginia, but then I lived in Georgia from eighth grade all the way until graduating from high school and then back in Virginia Beach for college. So that's good. I was stationed at Fort Eustis for four and a half years down there. So wow. Yeah, my son went to school down at uh, Woodside. Yeah. He, he used to work for a four-star general. That means he's a big deal. Dan Daly is a big deal. Well, it now, is an honor. <laughs> I just want to be like him one day. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, some of us have to realize our limitations, shall we? I know. I know. <laughs> so where do you want to start, Les? You want to start at the top? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Hello, everyone. This is Lieutenant General Retired Leslie C. Smith the 66th Inspector General of the United States Army. And I'm joined here with my battle buddy, Dan Daly. Dan, how are you doing today, bro? Les, I'm doing great. And uh, hey to the whole team out there. This is Dan Daly, the 15th Sergeant of the Army, United States Army, retired. And we have another incredible show today that I'm going to let Les take the lead. He's driving the car this morning, so. I'm driving the car today? Well, thank you. Time to take off the training wheels. We have two great guests today, both from the Boys and Girls Club of America. It's an organization that I've personally been involved for the past seven years, and it does a lot of great things. First, we have Asha B. from the Boys and Girls Club of America, Military Youth of the Year. Welcome to the show, Asha. Thank you so much, and thank you so much for having me. That was an awesome introduction. Really appreciated that. Asha, that's so good. I'm already motivated. We also have the man who runs the entire organization, Mr. Jim Clark, President and CEO of Boys and Girls Club of America. All 5,000 locations, right, Jim? That's right. And 4.7 million young people? Getting close to that. Well, Jim, thanks for joining us today. Well, it's great. Thank you, Les and Dan. Thank you for having us on today and looking forward to a robust conversation. So, Asha, let's start with you. How did you first discover Boys and Girls Club of America? Yes, so... Basically, it was my sophomore year of high school. And so I was in an organization called Future Business Leaders of America. FBLA. FBLA. Yeah, we know about that. Yes. Right on. Right on. That was the first time I actually ended up competing in public speaking. And it was the first time I really realized my passion and my love for it. And I was like, oh, shoot. Okay, I'm I'm not bad at this. Okay, I can dabble in this a little bit more. So I remember telling my mom, because we lived in a very, very small community called Camden County, Georgia, right above the Florida border. I remember saying, you know, I don't know where to find public speaking opportunities. So I ended up going to my local teen center because my brother was going there previously before me just to kind of check it out and see what was there. So I remember my parents were like, well, okay, well, we set up a meeting with the main advisor there and she's going to talk to you about it. So I remember going in there. First thing I saw is there were boys everywhere. I was like, I was the only girl in there. I was like, oh, heck no. Like, what is going on? 
So I remember I'm sitting in the meeting and we're talking about all these different opportunities. She tells me how, you know, one young lady met Misty Copeland and she met Obama. I was like, what? So I was just all in right there. And so I did my very first speaking opportunity. It was a talent competition. Um, I said a speech that I wrote myself and it just, it took off from there really. And that was really how I discovered the Boys and Girls Club. And here we are a couple years later, and you're now the recipient of the organization's Military Youth of the Year Award. Can you tell us a little bit about your military upbringing? Well, what's interesting um, about my story, I guess, is that when my mom and my stepdad got married, my dad was retired. So he had been um, in the Air Force 25 years. And so it was one of those things where... I got the back end of being a military connected kid to me. Like I didn't know what it was like to have an active duty parent who's traveling and who would like miss Christmas and stuff. Because for me, when I had always heard a military connected team, that's what I heard, you know, and their parents were active duty. And so I remember the reason why we had to move down to Georgia was because my dad was working in IT and got a new job down in Georgia. So I kind of had that like regular teen experience of having to move, but it wasn't connected to the military. And so when it came time for me to enter into the youth of the year competition, that's why I was nervous at first, because I was like, I don't have that stereotypical military connected teen story. Asha, let's take a step back. You're in college right now. How would you describe what the Boys and Girls Club does to people who have never heard of it? Well, that is a wonderful question because I've had to do that many times since being here at college. So the way that I describe it is it is basically a large nonprofit organization that helps invest in the future of youth. And I think that's very important because I tell my friends here, I feel like in our society today, especially with social media, you know, teenagers get painted as like, okay, we're these misfits who don't know, you know, who we are or what we're doing. You know, we're just going around doing different things and we're not set in a plan. But but Boys and Girls Club, they invest in the youth and they create opportunities and spaces for youth to figure out what they're good at and what they want to do. For example, I met a girl who found out she loved to dance through doing Just Dance at her teen center. You get these kids who figure out their passions through the opportunities that the youth center creates. And so that's how I describe it to my friends. It's a land of many opportunities, as as I commonly say. Now, Jim, let's go over to you. We heard from Asha a minute ago about her journey to the Boys and Girls Club. How did you get started working with them? I got involved in Boys and Girls Clubs in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, first as a volunteer. And it is a workforce story. Well, the company I worked for, uh, I just saw this huge population of teens and kids that I thought will be our future workforce. Um, So that was what attracted me to it. Mm -hmm. Very quickly, I found out it was so much more than that. And obviously, that's when I drank the blue juice, as we say, and uh, (laughs) it's been part of me ever since. And so that's how I got involved. And then one thing led to another and uh, became my marrying my passion with my profession. That's great, Jim. On this show, we talk a lot about purpose. And I know you found that in the club. What are some of the biggest changes the organization has undertaken under your leadership? I think it's evolved quite a bit in 163 years. Uh, The first Boys and Girls Club was in Hartford, Connecticut, 1860. And um, some things haven't changed. I will tell you that as well. Uh, We've always been facility-based. That was the same in 1860. It was always about having caring adults 
that would make a difference in the lives of youth. That is the same today. And then it was always about getting kids off the streets uh, where they'd normally get into challenges or trouble and putting them into a productive environment with intentional programs, feeding them, giving them something to eat, and also making sure they had some fun so they'd want to come back. What has changed a lot is really our focus when it comes to how we go about creating these great futures for youth. So today, um, instead of just a social rec type program, it's very intentional around academic success, things like how we deal with youth who lose ground in the summer when it comes to math and reading. So we have intentional programs that bridge that gap so they don't lose ground and or gain ground before the next school year starts. Today, that looks a little different even uh, in how we are thinking about 2023. Kids and teens have gone through a horrific period of time with the pandemic, yes, but with social unrest, yes, with a very challenging political environment and a lot of questions. And this also has caused a great deal of anxiety, stress, trauma in the lives of kids. And we see this coming out in the numbers from the CDC, numbers of kids, teens that are either depressed, contemplating suicide, or have tried to commit suicide. So we have a mental wellness challenge day, and Boys and Girls Clubs is right in the middle of that. Jim, we all talk about the difference in generations. And actually, I just sat on a panel last week talking about how this generation is different than the previous and the one previous to that. What do you see in the challenges of our youth today in this generation? You know, look, I think some of the challenges for this generation are exactly the same as they were for previous generations. And then I think at the same time, there are new and improved challenges or more difficulties, if you will. For example, the level of, as I said before, trauma and stress and anxiety in the lives of youth. You know, this is probably eight, nine years ago, the level of stress in kids surpassed that of their parents for the first time. Um, so I think this dynamic has created a lot of challenge. Also, you know, the level of political divisiveness in the country today, yeah. we haven't been at this level since the early 1900s. Yeah. This is tough for kids to and, and teens to understand. So yeah. I think this generation is seeing um, a different part of our country, our civil society, than what previous ones um, have seen in a long, long time. Um, I think the other big differentials are the impact of social media. Yeah. And that's a double-edged sword. A lot of good comes from it, but a lot of challenge comes from it as well. And I think when it comes to some of this mental wellness or um, mental illness I was talking about, social media is not our friend there. So those are a few of the differences. Yeah, I know when I grew up, there was no social media, but even the stress of peers and school and kids and all those things. Back over to you, Asha. Um, what do you think about social media today and how does it affect teens? I think that social media definitely is a double-edged sword. I think that social media is a great way to share your story, lift up the voices of not just yourself, but those around you in your communities. So many injustices and struggles of, of a community have been seen through social media. And I think that that is an amazing thing. But I also think that social media has also torn us down a lot as a culture in terms of 
being able to hide behind a screen, but tear somebody else down. That has power in our culture. The fact that I can tear you down, but you don't see my face. People will wake up in the morning and the first thing they check is social media. What are we putting out there? You know, and then again, obviously I struggle with this immensely um, in middle school is comparison, you know, comparing my, my, my body, my hair, what I have, my life to different girls around me. And, and it made it worse if, for example, if I'm wanting to work out or eat better or travel more, and I see there's a girl that's younger than me on social media doing all that, then I'm like, well, what am I doing with my life? Each person has a different life experience and you can't compare the things that you've been blessed to be able to experience with another person. And so, like I said, it's a good and and it's a bad. So that's kind of my perspective on social media. That's good. Let, let's pull that thread just a little bit. So Asha, what, what's the biggest challenge you've had to overcome in your life? Oh, I would say oh, the biggest challenge I would have is definitely comparison. Okay. From a very young age, I was told that, you know, you're not good enough. You know, you have to be better. And so I definitely carried that with me. And that became my identity is that I wasn't good enough. That was put into my schoolwork. I actually was diagnosed with testing anxiety in math. But before that, it, it was always, okay, well, the girl across from, from me is better. You know, this guy is better. Why do they get this question faster than I get it? Not realizing that everyone learns differently. Right. You know, moving into middle school, of course, it was um, more physicalities and, and talking about my hair and and really seeing my identity and comparing my identity, even as being a Black female and, and struggling with that and, and carrying the weight of that and letting that that insecurity defined who I was. And then moving into high school, my life experiences, you know, why am I not going here like this girl? Why am I not as successful as this girl? Will people like me more? And I know that comparison is something that all of us struggle with, but it was truly very crippling for me because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I was good at. I compared myself to my brothers. So it was a, a big struggle for me, but the Boys and Girls Club really helped, you know, lift me out of that and show me that everyone is authentic and everyone is unique and, and everyone has different struggles and battles that they face. And that has value to that person. Um, and so that is an insecurity that I face and how I've kind of overcome it. We've got to take a quick break. But we'll be back in just a minute with more from Jim and Asha. Join AUSA, the Army's premier professional association and host of the largest land power exposition in the United States. AUSA is open to everyone, including all ranks and components. So whether you have a relationship with the U.S. Army or simply want to honor those who serve, you can learn more at AUSA.org join. So Asha, one of the things we're always talking around here is propensity to serve. It feels like today's youth is less interested in serving their country than previous generations. Is that a misperception? Well, I think that it's split. I think that really in every generation, you're always going to have kids that want it. You're going to have kids that want to give back to their community, that want to make a difference, um, and that want to share that with those around them. And so I do think, especially social media, I think that that has helped us, you know, really advocate for service. And I think one thing that's making a big comeback is really the service to your community. You know, I see teens giving back to whether it's the school or a library or, 
or a park or a gym really giving back to their hometown and, and where they came from because they realized, you know, that's that's where your story started. And you want to give back to the youth there and show them that opportunity. So I don't think service is dead in our generation. I think it is very much so alive and supported by social media as well. And I'm glad you said that, Asha, because uh, as a uniformed service member for my entire adult life, 31 years, I don't view service as you have to wear a military uniform. Absolutely. You could be a school teacher and serve. You could be a nurse and serve. You can be a professor. I think people who go to work and work hard for this country every day serve this country. Absolutely. So I'm so glad that you said that. Me too, Dan. Now, you've mentioned, Asha, that your stepfather and stepbrother both serve. Can you give us a couple of things that you learned from them? and helped you develop into the leader you are today? Well, I can say this from my dad and oof, definitely time management and organization. If that has not been drilled (laughs) into my head, I really don't know what is. He manages his time so well and, and he has so many different opportunities. He always tells me you should have multiple streams of income. So he's, you know, working his job, he's investing, he's doing this, they're getting ready to do um, an Airbnb business. And he manages everything so well and still has time for me and my mom and everything. And so that's one thing that has really been applied to me and to my life. And another thing that I've learned really from both my dad and my brother is the importance of family. I was raised on family dinners and really focusing in on that community, that nucleus family, and and really learning to invest in each other. And that it's not just about you. It's about paying attention about the feelings and the emotions of the person across the table from you. How are you making them feel? And so that has really been cemented into the person that I am today. And I want to carry that into my family and relationships as well. That's excellent. Well, I'm going to close with just my last two questions. And it's the same question for both of you. What advice would you give to the youth of America today? You know, I think one of the the key points I would leave with youth um, that are coming through any program right now is to take time to listen to those around you, peers, adults, others, be diligent um, and question. Um, Question what you're hearing, question what you're seeing and make your own decisions and don't Just go on the advice or decisions of others. Yes. Well, my mantra that I always tell youth is know the truth and the value of your story. But another set of advice that I would really give is step up and step out. As youth, we are in a generation where we have been given so many opportunities and resources to create change and to help those around us and to see the issues in families and communities and school systems. And we have the resources, whether it's social media or or even the technology that we have today to pour into those around us. And so step up, be bold. Our voices are being heard. We have organizations like the Boys and Girls Club who will help us amplify our voices. So when you know that your story has truth and has value, that sets you up to be able to make a difference. Very powerful. Wow. Wow. That's good. Yeah, Asha's goal is to become a motivational speaker. I would say she already is. I think so. She, yeah. For the, all our, our young folks in our military affiliate, you've, what advice would you give someone, a young person especially, who's going through a hard time? Mm. Don't give up and keep fighting. Okay. I know it's really, really, really cliche, 
But don't give up on the light at the end of the tunnel because every day you're here for a reason. You have been willed into existence and there are people on this earth that love you and that care for you and that invest in you. So when you break down that guard and you allow people into your life that you can lean on and that will help guide you through those dark moments, don't give up and don't give up on yourself because I have been through hard times and I know what it's like to feel like there's not a light at the end of the tunnel, but you have to believe in your, in the strength that you have been given and, and, and that others see in you. So don't give up and keep fighting. Definitely. Like I said, Asha, you're already a very motivating speaker. Jim and Asha, we've got so many more questions, but I can't think of a better place to end our interview. Thanks to both of you for joining us today. Great future start here. If you want to find out more too, you can go to www.bgca.org and find out how you can get involved or you can help. Right to that. And we hope to see you there. Thanks so much, teammates. We've just heard incredible insights from Asha and Jim. And in today's chapter spotlight, we'd like to focus on another inspiring speaking session in the AUSA family. On March 6th, the Henry Leavenworth chapter based in Leavenworth, Kansas, hosted a breakfast for over 100 attendees, including JROTC cadets, community and military leaders, and chapter members. Enthralling the crowd was Lieutenant General Milford H. Beagle, commander of the Combined Arms Center there. General Beagle praised the idea that people are the Army's greatest strength, and by working together, that relationship is beneficial for all. Congratulations to everyone at Henry Leavenworth. If you or your chapter would like to be profiled on the show, please email us at podcast at AUSA.org. Hua. To all our listeners, thanks for joining us. Army Matters is brought to you by the Association of the United States Army, the U.S. Army's professional association, member-supported, Army-connected. Visit us at AUSA.org for more information or to become a member. Your membership helps AUSA continue to carry out its mission, educate, inform, and connect with the Total Army, our industry partners, and supporters of a strong national defense. Today's episode was hosted by Lieutenant General Retired Les Smith and SMA Retired Dan Daly, an anchor hosted by Carrie Barrow Heckes. Anthony Dale Call is the producer and writer, and Andy Bosnack is the supervising sound editor. Unzinga Curry is the executive producer, and the senior producers are Carrie Barrow Heckes and LaSharon Duncan. Special thanks to Lauren Hall and Terry Perriman for their help. Be sure to subscribe to Army Matters wherever you get your podcasts, and please leave a review. As you know, we love seeing stars in the Army, especially if it comes in the form of a five star review. AUSA's Army Matters podcast primary purpose is to entertain. The podcast does not constitute advice or services. While guests are invited to listen, listeners, please note that you're not being provided professional advice from the podcast or the guest. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of AUSA. For questions or to provide topic recommendations, email us at podcast at AUSA.org. I'm Sharon Duncan. Hope you have a great Army day. Hua.